all right, well, I'm going to do something today. Like, maybe it should have been done a while ago. Ryan, you're on your last chance, man. You're supposed to have the song up there, and I was going to walk up and sing. And now I know Amy Quisenberry can do what you can do because she did it last week, and she is warming up in the bullpen. There you go. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth. He is the living way. Now sing it with me, will you? I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved. What a great song. Of course, you can see the title of today's sermon, Resolve, today. And what does resolve mean? There's a bunch of different ways you could use it, but find a solution, or probably more for today's uh, sermon, decide firmly on that solution, uh, or on a course of action, if you will. And the first thing I need to do is find something. I have lost my glasses, and I'm going to need them today. My eyes are starting to fail me. Does anybody, has anybody seen my glasses? Uh, on my head, of course. That's the first place I should have looked, right? Uh, anybody else ever done that? Yeah, probably anybody that wears glasses has done that at some point or another, so you can give me a hard time if you want to. Uh, but losing something's not fun. No one likes to lose things. Uh, so have you ever been lost? That's my question to you today. Or are you lost now? Probably right now, maybe many of you have thought of a story uh, that you've shared before about a time when you got lost. Maybe it was you were lost uh, far away from home. Maybe you uh, were like me and got lost in uh, Chicago, in the bad part of town one time. But I went to see a Cubs game. It was worth it. Maybe you got lost uh, in your own town because you were thinking too hard as you drove. Uh, Didn't even realize where you were. Probably found your way back a little quicker might not even realize you were lost. Uh, last Thursday, I had a little bit of one of those experiences. I had gotten all ready. I was excited to see some of uh, the hospital chaplains that I uh, work with that are on the hospital chaplain group, I guess. Uh, got all my stuff ready, went up there, uh, walked into the meeting room, nobody there. And I immediately remember, oh, that's right, the meeting's next Tuesday. <laughs> And as I quickly left the hospital, the kind nurse there had that look in her eyes that she wanted to ask me this question, are you lost? So I kind of averted my eyes real quick and just kept going because I didn't want to have to explain how goofy I am. I can tell you about more serious times, though, because I I remember whenever I was a kid, uh, probably five years old, and mom took us, uh, grandma went to a a mall in St. Louis, big mall up in the big city, and I was... KB Toy Stores, remember those plays? I was looking at the Legos. They had Legos back then. Boys, they did. Uh, looking at the Legos, and I was talking to my mom, uh, you know, telling her what I wanted for Christmas, talking about all these Legos, just going on and on and on and on, probably playing with them, lost in thought, turning around to find out mom was gone. Now, it's not scary to be lost unless you realize you're lost. Right? It's only scary when you realize, and at that point, of course, sheer terror comes over me. What are you going to do? Well, you got to remember what you, okay, I go up and I talk to the lady at the cash register, and I say, I lost my mom. And the kind lady was starting to help me, and of course, here comes my mom running. Uh, never seen her run that fast, quite honestly. Tears streaming down her face, just scared to death. 
And I remember at the time not really thinking too much about that. I was just glad that I had been found because I had been lost. But now on the parental side of things, I can think about the sheer terror that she had. There's nothing uh, scarier than, than losing uh, a child, having the child lost. We can't find it. Where are you at? Uh, but that reunion was great. Uh, what else can I be lost on? I don't, you know, I went uh, back to Florence, Kentucky yesterday. My Auntie Sharon does my taxes because if I was ever to try to do my own taxes, I would be completely lost in all the different ways you have to do it. Uh, And, you know, she always says that she's going to schedule me for two hours instead of just the regular one hour. That way we can have time to catch up. It's always good to see her. Um, But the fact is, as we move forward with today's sermon, my Auntie Sharon, my tax lady, I love her to death. She's a good person, no doubt about it, good Christian woman. Uh, but, you know, tax collectors back in the time of Jesus, they weren't thought so highly of. They, they weren't looked at, upon as good people. But yet Jesus still loved them. The tax collectors and those notorious sinners, they were looked upon as the worst of the worst. Don't even hang out with them. Don't even talk to them. But Jesus still loved them. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 2, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, the shame of eating with them. But to these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, of course, this was a very shameful thing that Jesus would would, would lower himself to the standards of these obvious sinners. So what did Jesus do? He's going to take the time at that point to tell three stories. He's going to tell the story of the lost sheep. He's going to tell the story of the lost coin. And he's going to tell the story of the lost son, which is where we are going to be today. Let's just read it. We're in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. To illustrate the point, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share... Of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him out into the fields to, to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran out to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Uh, Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. 
His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. The father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Let's look at this situation today. First, we had this younger son, the prodigal son, if you will. He gets a little impatient, and he's going to end up going away to a distant land. Now, sometimes when we get lost in our faith, away from our faith, away from the Lord, sometimes when we really mess up in our lives, we've never accepted God, we leave the church, we go into a life of sin, we can consider that a distant land. And what is this going to mean? Well, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. Serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. Obey his commands. The visionaries who try to lead you straight will encourage rebellion against the Lord your God you redeem, who redeemed you from slavery. See, sometimes when you're just in that safe spot, you look out and you see that sin looks so tempting. Look at the wild living those people are doing. That looks fun. Well, it's deceptive. It's deceptive. Deception at its finest. There's nothing good for you in the distant land. There's nothing good for you away from God. But what we're going to call this, we're going to call this rebellion. He was lost. He wasn't lost in the distant land. He was lost in rebellion to God and disobedience to God. Whenever we have people in our lives that we know that are just going through those times of rebellion, it's obvious, isn't it? I'm talking about obvious sin here. He went and he lived in wild living. Everybody in the whole town, in the whole community, in his father's household knew that this guy was rebelling. It was obvious. He was a mess. He was lost. And we can all probably think of somebody in our lives right now. And maybe even many of you right now are thinking about the time whenever you were obviously lost in obvious rebellion. Didn't care to even try to repent of sins. What about this son? He was saying things like, give me. He was saying, saying things like, I want. But then soon he would find himself saying, why me? And please take me back, and I'm not worthy. The fact is, he had had a gift. His father gave him his inheritance. He wasn't even going to be patient enough uh, to, to let his dad live out his life. He wanted the money now. He took half of his dad's everything and went and wasted the gift. Think about the gift that we've been giving, given. Think about the gift that each and every one of us was given when God gave us his son. Think about the gift you were given whenever you accepted the Lord Jesus. Well, in this parable, the young son was given that gift of love as well. He was also given that gift of money and an opportunity. See, the fact is, what if he had gone out and invested that money, invested that gift? What if he had used it for positive things? No, not so much. That was never going to be his plan. But instead, he wasted it, squandered it, and became the prodigal son. Why did he leave? 
because he was unhappy with his father's guidance. There were so many other words I thought about putting there. Uh, just none of them worked as good as that. See, God gives us instruction in the word. God gave us uh, his son for, that, for the forgiveness when we don't obey. He has given us guidelines to live by. They're not optional. And if we make them optional, guess what we do? We become rebellious. When we say, I'm going to obey everything except for this and this because I don't like that as much. Because the world says it's okay. We're rebelling. And we can soon find ourselves lost in it if we don't turn around and come home. What happens, though, next? Of course, we know he does come home. We'll get back to that in a little bit. What about the other brother and his reaction when he sees what's happening, when he sees the, the fact that his brother is going to be rewarded? See, what was happening when that happened? His, the older brother, meanwhile, was out in the field working. That's where he was. But you know what? Just like being lost in that distant land, sometimes you can be lost right here. It's just... Coming to church, that's a definite thing that you need to do, no doubt about it. If you want to be strengthened, if you, if you want to have that encouragement, be part of that church family to grow. But just coming into church doesn't get you in the house. Just being out in the field like the older brother doesn't get you inside. you got to come, right? Just being here doesn't get you saved. You've got to obey the Lord. Follow the things that he has told us to do. You've got to be resolved to do those things. But what about this older brother that's out in the field? We think he's lost too. Proverbs 18, 1 through 2, and Psalms 36, 2. The first verse says, Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. You ever met somebody like that? Have you ever done that? to where really you weren't interested in hearing what someone else had to say. You just wanted them to hear what you had to say. We've probably all been guilty at that, of that a time or two in our lives. And Psalm 36, 2, in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. I think these two verses apply to this older son. He was lost in conceit. He was conceited. His, and to be conceited means you, know, you think your desires are righteous, that your opinions are fact or the word of God instead of just your opinions. That your opinion is the only one that matters and that someone else's doesn't for whatever reason in the world. To be conceited, you're going to be disgusted by the sin of others, which is exactly what the older brother is going to have here. But he can't even recognize his own sin. He was obedient. There's no doubt. He was out in the field. He was working. But now think about that kind of obedience. It's like Scott said earlier, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Was that you? Was that Scott? Someone said that. Uh, <laughs> it was Sunday school. It all starts to run together. Uh, we want to do things, the right things for the right reasons. Okay? There's no other way to do it. The right things for the right reasons. And uh, the obedience that he was given, he, does, he wasn't doing it joyfully. He wasn't doing for any other reason other than it was a grim duty, not out of loving service. And what's he going to do with his brother? He's going to accuse him. He's going to assume what did he say? Oh, he's out squandering his money on prostitutes. But actually, it said he was out there wild living. We don't know what he was doing with that wild living. He's assuming some things about his brother, throwing some accusations. And he's also wasting his gift. The same way that that prodigal son that had left and gone and squandered, he is also squandering the gift that he has given. He's never enjoyed. 
He's never, in no, he's never even noticed. He's never understood how much the Father loves him too. He had an opportunity to love, to forgive, to show mercy, to follow the Father's example, and he chose not to. See, what did the father do with the older son? He went out and he begged him to come in. He begged him to come in. But, but what did he do? See, we're going to leave the older brother unresolved today. We don't know if he came in or not. But the fact is, because the father said to come in and he didn't, that is also rebellion. That is also disobedience. In his conceit, he didn't even realize what he had done. He was unhappy. Therefore, it made it righteous, made it right. He was unhappy with the father's compassion. Compassion and love is what the father showed the younger son. This older son, instead of saying, what about me? What about me? And you know, the rebellious son, whenever you get to that spot in your life, if you work that spot and you're so obviously lost and you know it it's that scary moment when you realize "Uh oh where's mom i'm lost it's that scary moment when you think what have i done i knew better and then you know what to do but you know what should maybe be scarier is this second son because he doesn't have that moment of realization he doesn't have that moment of thinking oh man i'm i'm lost Instead, he convinces himself he's right. When we get in this uh, spot where we can uh, be letting conceit separate us from, from God, it's difficult to wake up. It's difficult to realize. But we've got to make sure that we do because we don't want to be left standing. Instead, we would be much better off to be like that rebellious son and come back home. But what about home? Inside that house, they're having a celebration, and you're invited. They've killed the fatted calf. There's dancing, there's singing, it's good times. God wants you to be a part of it. But how did the son come to be home? Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 31 says this. That verse not on there? Anyway. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Put the sin behind you. Put the rebellion behind you. Put the conceit behind you. Put anything right now that's becoming between you and God behind you. Don't allow things to keep you from worshiping him. Don't allow things to ever keep you from being obedient to him. Don't allow the world to determine your faith. And what do I mean by don't allow the world? I'm not talking about what they're saying on the news. I'm not talking about what they're saying up the street. I'm talking about what happens in your life. See, the fact is, the father loved both these sons. He loved them both to death. And the son that went out and, and, and spent all the money and squandered it away, he didn't love him more because he gave him that money sooner. And whenever all those bad things started happening and famine hit and he was starving, God didn't love him any less. Bad things happen to every single one of us. Don't allow it. To manipulate your faith. See, that's the devil's foothold. When we start allowing ourselves to be so conceited that we think that if something happens to us in any random situation, 
then it must mean that God's mad at me. Then we are quickly going to find ourselves led astray because bad things will happen in your lives. We lose people. We don't always get our way. But I promise you folks through that entire thing, no matter what it is, even if you find yourself on the other end of it with great fortune, God still loves you. And God still is inviting you into his home. And he's given you that way through Christ Jesus our Lord. So put the rebellion behind you and put the conceit behind you. But what did the rebellious son do? Why did he find himself back home? Well, the scripture says he came to his senses. He found his senses, we'll say. That aha moment. That uh-oh, what have I done moment. That moment when you realize, you know what, I said I wasn't going to go and do this sin, but now I'm really stuck in it. So what's he going to do? He's desperate, isn't he? Three steps. He's going to repent. And these are the three steps he's going to have with that. Number one, he's going to realize this situation. Now, wait a minute. He's going to realize the situation. He's going to say, hey, you know what? Here's where I'm at. Even the servants in my father's house aren't hungry. I realize how badly I've messed up. I realize this is my fault and this is my sin and that the father's always loved me. I realize that something's got to change. Next, he's going to rethink his situation. What can I do? I've realized where I've messed up and now I have to be able to rethink it. A little humility is going to go a long way right here. Just like when he came back and said, I'm not worthy because he realizes he's not. Nor are we. And then finally, he's going to resolve. He's going to resolve that it's time to go back home. I know I'll go and I'll tell dad I'll be his hired servant. See, but now there's going to be a difference because he's wanting to be a willing servant. Whereas older brother who's still there, he's not so willing. It's a grim responsibility for him. Grim duty, not loving service. But the younger son resolves, this is my opportunity. I want to go home. But of course, what does the father do? He doesn't say, go out there and get to work the field. He says, let's celebrate the fact that you've come home. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you a servant. I'm going to make you live out, uh, outside the house. He says, no, come inside. And let's celebrate. He puts a robe on him. He puts a ring on him. They kill the fatted calf. His sins are forgiven. His gift is received. And the celebration begins. What a joyous day that was for the father. Until he looked outside and saw the older son in his conceit, pouting. Instead of rejoicing at what had happened, he's making it about himself. Now, folks, today as we've gone through this, you might have thought about yourself in the position of the lost son. Oftentimes as Christians can easier, more easily find ourselves in, in the position of the older son. But I think if we looked at our lives real close, we could easily find ourselves at some point in the position of both. So I say, put all that rebellion behind you and let the celebration begin. So I got to ask you, are you found? 
You've been lost, but are you found? Think about where you're at right now in your life. Are you letting conceit? Are you letting rebellion? Are you letting sin? Are you letting your own selfish desires come between you and God? Are you found? See, the fact is, as we've looked at this, we've realized that this story isn't just about two boys and a father. This is our story. This is the story of us. Not Hartford Christian Church. This is the story of Christians everywhere. I found. The fact is, the Lord God is waiting for you. He's begging you to come in, to come home. Come inside, he says. Don't let your conceit, don't let your rebelling keep you from coming through those doors. Instead, be resolved to follow him. See, what all boils down to it, each and every one of us, has to make a decision. Would you please bow with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for inviting us home. Lord, we know that our citizenship is not of this world, but of, uh, of your heaven that you've created for us. Lord, we know that without your Son, we're lost. We know that our, it's so easy for us to think high, more highly of ourselves than others. Help us to Get rid of that conceit. And Lord, it's so easy for us sometimes to think that grass is greener over there and, and rebel against you. Help us to not rebel, to resist temptation. And thank you so much, Lord, for taking us back. Lord, just now we ask that you help us to be resolved to follow you. In Christ Jesus' name we now pray. Amen.